rather than classify the patients and then treat them based on the class that they're in and then based on statistical uh, uh, thoughts, you would actually just test the cancer cells of an individual patient against a broad array of drugs and select the drug that specifically kills the cancer cells of that particular patient. That's what we do with bacterial infections. I've been doing this very efficiently for 60 years, uh, but it now becomes feasible to do this with, uh, with cancer cells. Welcome to Shot of Science, a podcast series where we ask some of the world's top scientists what they're thinking about right now. I'm your host, Ana Resquad Paz. I'm the engagement editor here at Any Reviews. And today, our president and editor-in-chief, Richard Gallagher, chats with Hans Klevers of the Hubrecht Institute in the Netherlands. Dr. Klevers talks about his research on lab-grown cancer cells, which opens the door to customizing treatment to each individual cancer patient. Here they are. Hello everyone, I'm in Boston with Dr. Hans Klevers, who's Professor of Molecular Genetics at the Hubrecht Institute in Utrecht in the Netherlands. And Hans is a member of the editorial committee of the Annual Review of Cancer Biology. Hans, can you tell me something that's really exciting you um, about cancer biology research at the moment? Yeah, I think something that really occupies my, me and my own lab are these uh, culturable cancer. So now it turns out that we can take um, live cells out of tumors and also out of adjacent uh, normal tissue and grow them in the lab and then test drugs and do other experiments. Uh, so this, if this really gets applied, this would allow doctors to treat cancer patients much in the same way as we currently treat patients with bacterial infections. So rather than classify the patients and then treat them based on the class that they're in and then based on statistical uh, uh, thoughts, you would actually just test the cancer cells of an individual patient against a broad array of drugs and select the drug that specifically kills the cancer cells of that particular patient. That's what we do with bacterial infections. I've been doing this very efficiently for 60 years, uh, but it now becomes feasible to do this with, uh, with cancer cells. How far have you got in these studies? Yeah, this is really based on work that was done on a very different disease, cystic fibrosis, where there are very few drugs that are very unpredictable, but if they work, they work fantastically well. Actually, in my home country, in the Netherlands, it's now part of the registration of these drugs that they are tested on the cells of the patient before they're given to a patient, and the insurance companies will pay, uh, will reimburse the drugs um, if they work in, in lab, in vitro. Um, so this is now implemented in Holland and we're now trying to do this in, in, in patients. We are not the only ones, there must be 50 labs in the world that are currently trying to prove that the predictions you would make uh, on this uh, lab test to see if a cancer cell is resistant or sensitive that they actually hold up when you give the drug to patients. Wow. Uh, is it done in a central facility for all different um cancer centers in, in the Netherlands? Yeah, so for cystic fibrosis, where it is now implemented, we do it in a single center in Holland. Uh, but there, the numbers are very low. We only have 1,500 patients total with CF. Uh, we have about 100,000 new cancer patients every year. So if you calculate, if you would perform this test on every cancer patient, you would have to have this in every hospital. Um, it, probably what I think will happen is that this will be uh, used to stratify patients early on and maybe um, 
it then can be backed up with biomarkers. So once you know well, a large group of patients and you tested in vitro against a large number of drugs, uh, you know much better which drug goes with which type of patient. And you, don't, you probably then don't have to test every patient in the lab, but you can classify them much better. What sort of coverage does this give you in cancer treatment? Are there huge gaps where there are patients that don't respond well to individual drugs or combinations? Yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, one very unexpected finding we make is that cancer drugs are not very cancer-specific because we can now compare their effects on the normal cells of a patient that are directly adjacent to the tumor cells of that patient. There are very few drugs that are better at killing the cancer cells than at killing the normal cells. Um, so that's, that's one observation. Um, and then the question was... Um, are there many are there, patients are there that, Yeah, that so what you actually see is that patients, as expected, patients that have had many, many drugs already before we have access to their cells, they tend to be resistant to, lar to large numbers of different drugs, even if they've never been given to that particular patient. So early on, so in, uh, in uh, uh, previously untreated patients, uh, you see that they typically tend to be sensitive to a broad array of, of drugs, but also sometimes you do you make very unexpected findings. You'll find drugs that have never been given to that particular group of patients that look like they work fantastically well, and you can also see that the protocolized drug that you should give to that patient doesn't work. Um, so in that sense, it, uh, it really instructs, we think it'll instruct oncologists. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. What is known? What isn't known? Knowable Magazine, the award-winning journalistic publication from Annual Reviews, seeks to make that knowledge accessible to all. Knowable reports on the current state of play across a wide variety of fields, from agriculture to high-energy physics, biochemistry to water security, the origins of the universe to psychology. Every piece is deeply reported, fact-checked, and free to read and to republish. To stay in the know, head to knowablemagazine.org newsletter and sign up for the free Sunday newsletter today. And we're back. Next, Dr. Clavers explains more about what makes cancer treatment so tricky. Listen up. So, from your work, can you say that the heterogeneity of cancer and responses to cancer is more due to the normal cell component within tumours rather than the cancer cell component in tumours? No, that we cannot really say, because we, what we grow out is strictly the cancer cells. So we start with a mixed set of cells, tumour cells, immune cells, blood vessels, fibroblasts, but as soon as we start culturing them, everything dies and the cancer cells or the normal epithelial cells will actually build these what we call organoids. Is there any variability in the um, concentrations of different uh, drug, presumably you're doing different drug combinations, is, is, are they straight combinations or do you vary the components of the combinations to um, suit the particular results that you get with different patients? Yeah. Yeah, so the tests that we are currently setting up are not optimized at all, but we use robots now. We can go up to 50,000 combinations 
different doses of drugs, but also different combinations of different drugs. Um, I'm sure that if industry will, will help develop machines to do this, you will actually be able to use much smaller volumes of the drugs, but also much more, much fewer of the cancer cells. And then we might be able to reach the numbers that you would see with cell lines, where you can go up to millions of compounds. In the long run, what impact do you anticipate that this will have on the efficacy of treatment of uh, cancer patients? Yeah, so what, what I think will happen if this all pans out the way we see it now is actually, first of all, uh, patients will will be put on drugs for which it's directly shown that that drug will actually kill most of their cancer cells. Um, a second development that I see other labs uh, looking at is can you uh, predict the resistance that emerges? Because as we know that unfortunately, as soon as you start treating a patient, immediately you select for cells that will not be killed by that particular drug. So it looks like in the lab, you can do this much, much faster. So you can actually, before the recurrent tumor ever emerges, you might already be able to predict what that sensitivity of that particular new tumor will be, and then have your drug ready and immediately start treating again. It's very exciting. When do you think that um, we'll begin to see uh, implications for the broad range of cancer patients? That are yeah, um, so uh, the first papers are emerging. We actually were scooped by a fantastic paper in science by competitors from us in the UK who developed this technology and actually uh, performed several trials. I know of several papers in China that are coming up, uh, several in Europe, several in the US. So I think this is a, a rapidly growing field. Um, I think what will happen first is this will be implemented in, in university hospitals uh, on select group of patients and then if it all pans out the way we hope it will actually slowly spread I guess across the entire health universe. Fantastic. You mentioned cystic fibrosis as the model and, and cancer and um, treatment of bacterial infections. Are there other areas in medicine where similar approaches might be taken? Um, let me think. So for other hereditary diseases, essentially are no small molecules yet. So cystic was unique in the fact that it's a really bad disease, heterogeneous responses, and a single drug. So there, because there was only one drug, you either get a drug or you get nothing, we could immediately uh, apply our findings in the lab to patients, which worked very well. For cancer, this is much slower, because for most cancers, there are good therapies. And we, have, we cannot just be arrogant and state that our, our uh, opinions are better than the existing methodologies in treating patients. Um, infectious disease is, is actually another uh, application here. For instance, uh, the prediction whether new influenza strains will be pathogenic to humans. Uh, they usually arise in, uh, in Southeast Asia, where chickens and pigs and humans are very close together and viruses jump from one species to the other. Um, it is extremely important to, to predict which will be the next bad strain and will it actually be bad for, for humans. Uh, currently that's being tested on lung slices of uh, lungs taken out of lung cancer patients typically, uh, but it looks like you can actually do this quite easily on lung organoids um, and essentially grow the new strains of influenza virus on pig, chicken and human lung and see what happens. And then it looks like this is very predictive of, of whether the next strain that emerges will be bad for humans. Fantastic. Uh, Dr. Hans Clevers, thank you very much for speaking with me. Thank you. This was Shot of Science. I'm Anna Rasquat-Baz. 
Thank you to Hans Clavers, who is also a member of the editorial committee of the Annual Review of Cancer Biology. Join us next time for a conversation with Joss Bland Hawthorne about galaxy archaeology. Annual Reviews is a nonprofit publisher dedicated to synthesizing and integrating knowledge for the progress of science and the benefit of society. Music today by Slender Beats and Verified Picasso.